a police officer jumped into his squad car and calls the station. I have an interesting case here, Sarge. A woman shot her husband for stepping on the floor that she just mopped. Have you arrested her, asked the sergeant. No, not yet. The floor is still wet. Come on, somebody. You do not want to mess with that woman. Come on, somebody. Son, what's the difference between love and marriage? Father, love is blind. Marriage is an eye-opener. Come on, somebody. A husband and wife had been married for 60 years, and they had no secrets except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband from opening. But when she was on her deathbed, and with her blessing, he opened the box and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in cash. My mother told me the secret to a happy marriage was never to argue, she explained. Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Only one doll in the box? That meant that she'd been angry with him only once in 60 years. But what about all this money, he asked. Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. Sir, you'll get that on the way home. <laughs> Yesterday, we had a wonderful, unbelievable, I'm telling you what, I'm still flying high. It was amazing. We had a marriage conference here. Come on. If you were here, just give it a shout out. Wow. It was amazing. We had over 200 people here, and it was just a wonderful time of celebrating marriage. It was informative. It was anointed. It was inspiring. The, the guests that spoke were amazing. You need to take advantage of stuff like that. You need to invest in your marriage. We even had people that were not married that came in hoping they find. No, 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 no. They, they, they were not married, but they were dating, and they were seriously dating. They said, you know what? We want to we build our marriage on the right foundation. We want to start here. We had a young couple. I was so impressed with them. Young adult couple that came. They're, they're actually just dating, but they said, you know what? We absolutely wanted to understand what marriage was about before we dive in. I thought, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? So let's give it up for that young couple that did that. It's amazing. And, and, and the theme of the whole weekend is one thing, one thing. And yesterday, each speaker was kind of talking about their one thing. And then the pastors talked about their one thing. And men, women talked about that one thing. There are a lot of things. There are, there are many things that we can talk about that we need in a marriage. But God wants to say one thing to you today. One thing that you will walk away with and say, this is what I need to do next. And so I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22. Now, in verse 21, and we talked about it yesterday, verse 21, Paul the Apostle says that wives and husbands and every Christian believer need to learn how to serve one another out of reverence for Christ. And when Paul writes, he doesn't, he doesn't break up the scriptures into categories. He just writes. And so in the context of Ephesians chapter 5, 
We find that Paul says some really powerful things. Ephesians 5, 17, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled in the Greek means to be controlled by the Spirit. You see, the truth is Christians don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us because we've got the Holy Spirit. Now we've got to give ourselves to the Holy Spirit to be controlled and led by the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 21, serve one another. Ephesians 5:22, really critical. Now, we've been looking at the life of David. And David was a man after God's own heart. And David had some incredible qualities. But I want to tell you something. David failed as a husband. And the truth is, we can be successful in business. We can be successful in ministry, but if we fail at home, we fail at the most important thing that God has given us to do. Come on, somebody help me out. And so even though David was a success in the sense of being a king, even though David was a man after God's own heart, David failed as a husband. And I don't want to fail at the most important job that God has given me. Why? Because the truth is, it's God first, always God first. It's our spouse second. It's our family, our children third. And it's the world fourth. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we really get that mixed up. Sometimes we put the world first, we put our job first, our, our church first, our children first. But if we're really going to have a good foundation in our family, our marriage needs to come First, now I want to read to you Ephesians 5.22, but I actually want to read it to you in the message paraphrase. That's what it says. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another, 5.21. 5.22, wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. Husbands, provide leadership to your wife. The way Christ does to the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does, says, is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And this is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body. No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband ought to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor 
her husband. Now, I'm really honored today to have somebody helping me with this sermon. We're going to actually tag team. And so I'm going to tag team with Pastor Carlos Beltre and his wife, Zamata. And they're going to come for a few moments, in a few moments, to talk to you about honor. But today I want to talk to you husbands for a few moments about what Christ tells us to do. The one thing. And if we get this one thing right, everything else will fall into place. If we don't get this one thing right, nothing will fall into place. And so Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us, Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us that we as husband ought to love our wife as Christ loved the church. Wow. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is that in Ephesians 5, Paul spends more time talking to the husband about how we need to love our wife. And he gives us the example, Christ becomes to us the example about how we should love our wives. And so I want to give you three words today. The first word is sacrifice. Paul the Apostle says we are to love our wife with a sacrificial love. And he gives us that example. In fact, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that we are to follow Christ's example. And Paul tells us if there's any encouragement in you being in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, then he said, I want you to consider others better than yourself. And so when we talk about sacrificial love, we're talking about a man who is willing to put his wife first. A man who is willing to sacrifice for his wife. Now, I've heard men say, man, I'd take a bullet for my wife. I'd stand in front of a car. Yeah, right. But, but, but even if you did, that would be less painful or less stressful or less disciplined in your life than actually choosing every single day of your life. You listen, you stand in front of the car, you're done, you're over, you go to heaven. But look, God is really telling you today, man, God is telling you, husband, God is telling you, man of God, that it's actually what God wants you to do every single day of your life, to live a life of sacrifice where you place your wife above your own needs. Where every day you sacrifice your own wants and desires so that you can bless and serve and love your wife. It doesn't mean you lose your identity. It doesn't even mean that you, you can't do the things you want to do. But the truth is, if you're going to have a wonderful marriage, then you've got to follow the example of Christ who was willing to die on the cross for us. In fact, Paul the Apostle says it's that kind of sacrificial love where Jesus actually died on the cross so that, number two, listen to me, he could sanctify us and cleanse us and make us holy. So, so the second word is sanctification. So it becomes a sanctifying love. And so as a husband, not only am I to live my life in sacrifice, placing my wife above my own needs, but also to recognize that I love her with a sanctifying love. And that sanctifying love helps me to understand that, that I really want to help my wife to become holy in all that she does. I lead her in holiness. I live a life in holiness. I demonstrate it. I lead her in this life of being set apart. Because that word holy actually means to be set apart. And friend, I want to tell you today that your wife doesn't exist for you. She exists for God. 
Your wife doesn't exist to meet your needs. Your wife exists to glorify God in everything that she does. And so the day she was born again and the day that you came together as one flesh, God called you to lead your wife into holiness. God called you to love your wife in such a sanctifying way that you will help her to keep herself pure. You will help your marriage to keep it pure and undefiled. Why? Because God's purpose for your wife is that God would use your wife for his glory and for his honor. And you can make it easier or you can make it harder. Hello, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're still the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. But he's preaching it now. See, see, ultimately, you and I live more for our wives' good than for our own. And this is not a difficult burden, but actually a tremendous honor to recognize that God has made us as husbands, stewards of our families. That God has made us the leader of our family so that we can help our wife to be everything that God called her to be. It's a sanctifying love. Jesus gave himself up to make us holy and to set us apart for his glory. And it's our task to help our wives unleash her gifts and her talents and her passions and her interests all in the purpose and, and for the, the incredible divine purpose of bringing glory and honor to God. Men, we need to love our wives with a sanctifying love, a love that ensures them that they are being set apart by God so that they can fulfill what God has called them to do in their life. And then we're to love God with all of our heart so that in turn we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And let me tell you something, friend. Your neighbor is not the person that lives next door. Your neighbor is the person that sleeps in your bed. And so we're to love our wives with a sanctifying love, but we're also to love our wife in a sacred love, a sacred love. I want you to notice, follow with me, it says this. It says that Christ gave himself up for the church, sacrifice, a sacrificial love, by washing her with water through his word. Oh, how we need to read the word over our wife, speak the word over our wife, love the, the word so that our wife can see that we're living out the word. As he presented her, listen, this is the key verse right here. This blew my mind when the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. As he presented her, who? The church, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Wow. Ephesians chapter 1 says that God in his love predestined us that we might be holy and blameless. He chose us be before the foundations of the earth so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. 
And Paul the Apostle says, this is such a great mystery, I can't pretend to understand it. But when I'm talking about marriage, I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. And so that Christ and the church becomes this incredible example to every marriage. And every marriage then becomes a reflection of what Christ did to his church and for his church. And what Christ is getting ready to do for his church. And that is, listen to me, when we stand before God, the church, listen to me, Jesus will come before the Father, and he will say to the Father, this, my Father, is my bride. I have cleansed my bride. I have sacrificed and died for my bride. I have caused them to walk in sanctification, set apart, and now I present to you, my Father, my beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle. Wow. Now, husbands, look at me. Paul said, we're to love our wife the same way. And the Holy Spirit showed me something. On Thursday, as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit showed me that the truth is that I am to live my life in such a way that one day, when I get to heaven, I will take my beautiful bride and hand her back to Christ. And say, you have given me the honor and privilege of living a life of love and sacrifice towards my wife. And loving my wife with a sanctifying love. So that when she appears before you, I have the honor to present my wife to you without spot or wrinkle. That my job on this earth is to help my wife be everything that God wants her to be. So Thursday afternoon, my wife comes in. It's more like evening. And my wife works so hard. She's the first one to come to church. She works at the church. She's always the one that works so hard and so often is the last one to leave. And then she goes and visits her mom in the nursing home. And she comes home so often just actually drops her bags down and starts cooking. That's just my wife. She's just an amazing woman. And on Thursday, after I studied for a while and God gave me this vision, my wife walks into the house and, you know, she was, the wind kind of blew her hair a little bit and her makeup kind of wore off because she put it on early in the morning, like 5.30 in the morning, and now it's 6.30 in the evening and, and she's walking in and she's exhausted. And I look at my beautiful wife, and the Holy Spirit showed me something so powerful. I saw my bride with a beautiful veil on her and a beautiful white dress. And the Lord said, that's your bride. And you get the wonderful honor and privilege to lead her all the way into eternity. So one day you could say, Jesus, here's my beautiful bride. Now I presented that to you, Lord God. What an amazing honor and privilege. And so now, when I see my bride, every time I look at her, I see her with a white veil and a beautiful dress. And all I need to do is say, take me by the arm, honey, because we're going to go all the way to heaven together. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And that is 
our jobs, men, to present our wives as brides before the Lord. And if we were to love them as Christ loves the church and shower them with a sacrificial, a sacred, and a sanctifying love, what's going to happen is that she is going to respond with the one thing that we need, want, and desire. Notice how Paul, in chapter 5, uses most of the verses to talk to the man. Because we as men need to hear things several times before it's registered in our minds. We need it to be written. We need to be texted. When I go to the grocery store, I call my wife like three times because I always forget what's the other thing I need to get. So Paul takes his time and really dives into the man so the men can get it. Have to love your wife. But to the wives, he only shares about two or three verses because, woman, you hear it all. You say things once and you absolutely get it. So this is what Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The one thing that men need to do is love their wives. But the one thing that women need to do and wives need to do is honor your husband. You need to honor your husband. Why do I need to honor my husband? Well, because we are both each responsible for filling our tanks in this life that gets empty. And we need to fill it up so that we can continue. And wives, they run on love and strive on love. But we men, we run on respect and honor. Mark Gonger states in his book, Laughing Your Way to a Better Marriage, that a husband's greatest need is respect. I know that Aretha Franklin sang it, but men really mean it. All I want is a little R-E-S-P-C-T. Give it to me. Give it to me. Did I misspell that? <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect. All that men want is respect. Listen, he continues to say, most women are willing to show respect, but they want their men to be worthy of it. Respect is too great a need for a man to have it come and go based on performance. Men need to be respected for who they are, not just for what they do. And I know this is hard to accept. And hard to apply into our lives. But if we want chemistry in our partnership, in our marriages, we want our marriages to be healthy. There needs to be this loving and honoring relationship. Because here's the truth. I want to let you in in a little secret about men. That we may not want to admit it publicly or even privately. But the majority of men feel unsure about themselves. We deal with deep insecurities. We question our decisions. We doubt our abilities. We double-guess our capabilities. And because we live in a performance-driven culture and society, we always have that pressure to perform at a high level at all times. And added to those insecurities, we are full of pride and don't like to admit our shortcomings or our fallings. So that is a recipe for disaster. We're insecure and we are prideful. But when a man feels honored, and respected, and admired, and recognized, those insecurities vanish. So my wife, Shemad, is going to come and talk to us about what honor is and how a woman should honor their wives, their husbands. Good morning. So how do we honor our husbands? Well, 
Ephesians 33 in the Amplified Version says, And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. The definition of honor is high respect, great esteem. Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for someone, regard for their feelings, their wishes, their rights, and esteeming and valuing your husbands. So how do we honor our husbands? Well, we honor our husbands. There's a lot of ways. But today I want to talk about honoring our husbands through our words. If we go back to Genesis, we see the influence that Eve had over Adam, right? She had a lot of influence on him. And we as wives and as females, we carry influence with us. And it's a God-given gift, but it's also a big responsibility. With that gift of influence comes a high responsibility. So we have to be careful what we say to our husbands. We have to honor them by the way we speak about them to others, how we speak about them to our family members, how we speak about them to our friends, how we even speak to, to our children about our husbands. We have to honor our husbands by not correcting them and treating them as children. I know that's a little tough to hear, but, oh, we got a brother that agrees here. Um, you know, they are our spouses. They are not our children. We have to honor them in that way. We have to be careful how we correct them. You know, um, there's a lot of things that may bother us about them, but there's a way to say it, and there's a time to say it. So we have to honor them in this way. And we also have to honor them by asking their opinion first. Did you hear that? <laughs> like, are you serious? Yes. Yes. It, and it's okay. Doesn't mean that it's going to go that route, but... <laughs> but it might. It might. And honestly, um, you know, a lot of times when my husband asks me, well, what do you want to do tomorrow? What do you want to eat? I'm like, well, what do you want to do? You know, I, I, I don't want this to be just about me. I want to know what you want to do. I want to honor you in this way. Now, um, for me, in our first years of marriage, it wasn't so easy. I didn't have the right words. I didn't speak the right way. And I didn't realize how much that was affecting my husband. It's like he was internalizing everything. So finally, we had, you know, the roughest patches of our marriage. And I realized I have to be careful with the words that I speak. Now, honoring him does not mean that you just take whatever's happening and kind of just go with it. You know, that's not honoring your husband. In fact, honoring him is communicating to him, this is what I don't like. This is what's going wrong. Because then you're doing a service for him and for your marriage. Proverbs 31, 23 says, Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Don't you want to be known as the woman that opens her mouth with wisdom? I know that I want, I want my husband to say, I have a wise wife. Um, now, the other part of the amplified version of that verse says that she finds delight in her husband. She notices him. She prefers him. She treasures him. And she treats him with loving concern. So... You want to be the wife that notices your man over anybody else. You don't want your husband to be noticed at work 
more than he's noticed in his home. Did you hear that? You want to be the one that notices him the most. You want to be the one that says, yep, that's my man walking down the street. Yeah, you look good today. You know, you want to be the one to say that and for that to not come out of anybody else's mouth. So you want to honor him by noticing him. Even when he might be coming home tired, give him a smile. When you get, you're both tired, like, I'm so happy to see you right now. You look tired, I'm tired, but I wouldn't want to be tired with anyone else but you. You know, so you've got to just let him know that you prefer him over anyone else. I know that this is not the easiest thing to do when you're going through different pains and hurts in your relationship. When maybe your husband is not making you so happy at the moment. Um, when maybe forgiveness is still needed with certain things in your marriage. But this is what God calls us to do. And in those moments where you don't know, and maybe you're sitting here and you're like, she has no clue what I'm going through. And, you know, maybe I don't. And I haven't been the wife that has always wanted to honor my husband. But I have been the wife that has always wanted to submit to God. And through my submission to God, I've allowed the Holy Spirit to convict me and allow me to extend forgiveness and grace. And through that, the Lord starts to work. You give him the green light. You give God the green light when you say, all right, God, I can't do this, but I need your strength. Give me eyes to see him as you do. Because if I keep seeing him in my eyes, this is not going to get anywhere. So when you open up your heart like that, it gives God the green light to start working, to start molding not only him, but to start molding you and change your heart. So today I encourage you as wives to honor your husbands, to treasure him and to delight in him. Amen. Ladies, I, I have to be honest with you all. You don't understand the value and the importance of your words and of your honor towards us. It means the world to us as men when we know that we are supported, that we are backed up by our wives. You know, a few years ago, um, I had lost my job. And um, when a man loses his job, you feel like you lose your identity, your purpose. Um, and it was a really patched time, a hard, difficult time for my life. But when I got home, you know, the, the words of my wife really encouraged me and said, you know, I believe in you. We're going to be okay. I know you've always provided and, and you're going to continue to do so. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and, and you're going to find something great. And I tell you, that motivated me. I said, my wife believes in me. She trusts in me. And, of course, she wants me to get out of the house. So she's going to push me a little harder. So, but that motivated me. said, I can do this. I can go and get another job. And, and sure enough, I did. What I want to tell you today is that your words matter and that we, you honor your husbands by honoring with your words, by delighting in him, but you also have to build him up. Your husband may not be the man still that God is working in his life to become. He might not still be the father that he has to be of the full potential. But here's what I want to tell you is that you have to speak to him as if he were. You got to speak to him like Pastor Henry does to every man here. He doesn't know your name, doesn't know where you're coming from, but he says, man of God, how are you doing? I think I've been here for three years. I still don't think Pastor Henry knows my name. He goes, man of God. You have to call your husband as the man that he is going to become. You have to use the words to describe him because your words have a lasting impact in who he is and how he lives. 
Let me tell you that Jesus, when Lazarus died and he was wrapped up, he was dead for four days. He was in the tomb, in the grave. And Jesus came out and went in front of the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came alive out of that tomb. Your husband may be in the tomb. He may not still become everything that God wants him to be. But if you speak life into his life, he will come back to life. And he will become the man that God has created him to be. Listen to this. God wants to use you and the way you honor him to fulfill the purpose that God has in his life. I'm going to say that again. God wants to use you and the way you honor him to fulfill his purpose in his life. Now, I have to say a disclaimer. Do not go tonight in front of the TV or in front of the bedroom and say, Carlos, come forth. Okay? What happens when our wives honor us? When you believe in us, we feel loved. We feel wanted. We gain our confidence. We regain our swagger. A man that is lifted up at home walks a different way, talks a different way, acts a different way because he knows he is supported. Because when you honor your husband, you're communicating to him that you believe in him, that you trust in him, that you value him. Your honor is the wind beneath our wings. It's the fuel that empowers us to believe that we can overcome any obstacle. It makes us believe that we can conquer the world. Your honor and your respect makes us better men, better husbands, better fathers, better men of God. You know, and, and, and as the worship team comes, there is this amazing um, connection between the gospel and marriage, as Pastor Steve was saying, in which um, the gospel is represented and illustrated as Jesus being the head and being the, the husband uh, and the groom and the, and the wife being the church, the bride. And there is that gospel message found there in which we believe that God is good and that God is glorious. And that everything that God did is good as we sang before, right? He created the heavens and the earth and the galaxies and everything he does is good and great. And it was God who created marriage. And when God created Adam and Eve and put them together, he said, this is good. I want to pause her for a second because I want to tell you, everyone that is listening, your marriage is good. It's from God. All we have to do is continue working at it and say, Lord, fulfill your purpose in my marriage. But just as in the world we know that sin came in and disrupted our relationship with God, our love with God. And the same thing happens in our relationship. Sin and pridefulness and selfishness comes and divides and breaks and brings about a divide between us. But we thank God that he loved us so much that Jesus came, became flesh, died on a cross, resurrected from the dead. And he put death to death. And Jesus can do the same thing with our marriage. Doesn't matter where our marriage is, what status it is in, he can come and breathe new life into our marriage. He can redeem it, he can restore it, and he can resurrect it for his glory. So let us love our wives um, and honor, let's love our husbands and honor our husbands. difficult. 
Remember, we start with understanding that we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Spirit that we can live the life that God has called us to live. We can, we can tell you what you should do, but the truth is, until you surrender to the Spirit, it's not about getting more of the Spirit. It's letting the Spirit have more of you. Somebody once said, the deeper that we die to ourselves, the greater resurrection we can live in our life. And so we start with ourselves. We always start with ourselves. So whoever you are, maybe, maybe you're a teenager, like this sermon doesn't relate to me at all. Well, I wish I learned this stuff before I got married. Maybe you're a teenager and saying this many years down the road, but you know, as you build your life today, as you build your life today, as you seek the Lord today, as you invest in yourself today, you become the person that will be attractive to a person who's doing the same thing. I know some people say, well, you know, I'm, the only people that are attracted to me are, are losers. I just leave it right there. You want people to be attracted to you? Live like a winner. Live like a winner. Soar like an eagle. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Maybe you're here today and you're single. And you've been praying and believing. Prepare yourself for what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you've been divorced. And you think, where do I go from here? You start with you. You start with you. You start trusting that God wants to do a work in your life. Maybe you're married. Maybe you got a great marriage. Maybe you got a marriage that just needs some fine-tuning. Maybe you got a marriage that's it's on the rocks, not on the rock, but on the rocks. Where do you start? Everything starts by faith. Everything. The Bible said that Noah by faith built an ark. But you know, it started with the first plank. It started with the first nail. And as he took that first plank and he took that first nail, and by faith, by faith, he drove that nail into that first plank, connected it to the next plank, and built that ark over 100 years. God did his best work through faith. And what is faith? Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we cannot see. So you have to have a faith vision for what you believe your marriage can be. And then you take one step at a time. See, in our culture, we want to feel first, then act. We want to feel first and then do what we're supposed to do. But the truth is, you do what you're supposed to do, and then you feel. Feelings follow doing the right thing. So if I'm loving my wife as Christ loved the church, she's going to feel good. And then she's going to respond. If you're respecting your husband and honoring your husband, then he's going to respond. So we start somewhere. We start with us. Would you all stand to your feet in the cafe, in the overflow, in the balcony?
on the main floor. And I'm going to ask the counselors to come, the prayer counselors to come. And I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Pastor Carlos said that marriage is a reflection of the gospel. And Jesus, he died on the cross so that we might have eternal life, sacrificial love. He did it so that we might be sanctified, a sanctification that only comes through his blood, a sacrifice, a sacrificing love, sacrificial, sanctifying, sacred, sacred love. For one reason, to present you before his Father in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, you're a whosoever, that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment. And I want to ask you this simple question. If you die today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? And you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I died today I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Is there anybody in here? Say, I, I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven. And I want to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody else in this place? Anybody else in this place? Anybody? Praise God. If you raised your hand today, I want you to see one of these counselors. And counselors, I want you to make sure that those folks that have already committed their lives to the Lord will understand that now they just have to trust in their, their faith that they've placed in Christ and the finished work on the cross and that they have eternal life no matter what. But you're here today and you say, Pastor, you spoke to me. God spoke to me. The Spirit spoke to me. And now I just want to live by faith one step at a time. I want to trust God for one of the most important relationships in my life. Whether you're married, whether you're not, whatever. I just want to trust God, and I want to begin to do what God has called me to do. I just, right now, every one of us, let's just raise our hand towards heaven, and let's just pray a dedication prayer before the Lord. I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, I recognize that marriage is a reflection of your relationship to your church. May I see marriage in a biblical way. May we lift up marriage and celebrate marriage. For it is sacred to you. May we live out our roles and our responsibilities in the power of the Spirit. May I learn, may I grow, and may I be submissive to your will. By faith, by faith, I call those things that are not as though they are. And I thank you, God, that you've got a plan for my life, and it's big. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah.